Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per month. The pandemic accelerated the trend of people buying things online. We definitely saw that, but it has had an impact on the trucking industry and the buying behavior of people who buy heavy-duty parts as well. It's not just the stuff that we all bought when we were locked down at home. This is having an impact on the way people are approaching buying heavy-duty parts. And when you think about selling parts online, There's definitely some myths that uh, affect the way people approach whether or not they're going to sell parts online themselves, if they're a distributor or even a manufacturer. And so I really wanted to talk about what those myths are, try to get to the bottom of what we should, you know, the, the, the perspective we should have. And I thought that the best way to do that was to interview someone who is actively involved in selling parts online. So my guest today is Dave Olson. He's the executive vice president of Find It Parts, an online seller of heavy-duty parts, and Dave is an industry veteran. He has worked at just about every level from component manufacturer to being an independent to working with the truck OEM. So this is an individual who I am so excited to have on the show, and I think we're all going to learn quite a bit from our conversation. Dave, welcome to the Heavy-Duty Parts Report. So glad to have you here. Oh, Thanks very much for having me today, Jamie. Well, you're working for a company called Find It Parts. You are selling parts online. So you're you're living this day in and day out. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to share uh, some of your experience and share the experience of your company to help the industry. Dave, what kinds of customers are buying heavy-duty parts right now from your website, finditparts.com? Uh, oh my goodness. So um, maybe a better question is what kind of uh, customers aren't buying? I mean, everybody from small fleets, folks that have a, uh, one or two trucks, uh, repair garages, the largest OE dealer networks, the largest independent dealer networks. I mean, we, you know, we specifically kind of fill a void uh, when you're looking for a part and it's not readily available. So we really have a you know, complete cross-section of the types of customers that buy heavy-duty truck parts. That's an interesting thing about when you go to that digital sales channel online model, it really opens you up to have an opportunity to sell to such a, a wide variety of people. So, okay, let me just get this straight. So it's it's really a range, ranging, your customers are ranging from like owner operators who maybe own their own truck to fleets to other distributors and even truck dealership groups. Uh, absolutely. And and manufacturers as well. I think we've kind of become a central repository for finding a part that you need uh, when it's not readily available under your uh, more traditional channels. 
Now, if I remember correctly, your founder, um, I, I saw an interview that he did with our friends over at Diesel Laptops with Tyler Robertson on the DL. And if I remember correctly, he did say that at one point your strategy was kind of like not the 80% of parts that everyone's buying, but the 20% that maybe they can't get. Have you, first of all, do I have that right? Was that your original strategy? And has things changed in the mixture of products that people are buying now over, let's say, pre-pandemic levels? Yeah, certainly pre-pandemic, uh, you know, the focus was, think about the name, findaparts.com. Like when when you couldn't find it, we were a place to go and we had access to a tremendous amount of SKUs uh, to, to fill that need. So really focus on that long tail or the bottom 20% of the parts. Uh, I think with the pandemic, I think everybody's buying behavior has changed and we no longer are limited to that little niche and we're increasingly uh, being used for more traditional components and more popular parts, uh, stocking orders and things like that have really become a significant part of our business. I I think that indicates a bit of a shift in overall attitude towards e-commerce and buying behavior. Why would you say that people who do buy heavy-duty parts online like that option over the traditional option where they have to maybe go to a parts counter or they have to phone in an order? Well, I think everybody's talked about just the shifting demographics and, you know, the, the, the younger buyers and their comfort level with digital solutions and things. So I, I won't really go into that as much. But, but, but clearly, I think over the last couple of years, um, a really well-served market, the commercial vehicle aftermarket, hasn't been served that well. Uh, there's been some tremendous supply chain challenges. So a lot of consumers, buyers of parts, have been put in a situation where you know they've had a pretty much an easy button uh, for, for many, many years. They pick up the phone, they get the parts delivered next day. It's worked pretty well. Well, that whole thing kind of shattered a little bit with the supply chain challenges. People were forced, I think, to, to kind of get out of the box and while everybody knew they could buy parts online, I think they were forced into you know using that as a more um, significant part of their supply chain. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I can see what you mean by in the trucking industry. It wasn't necessarily that people one day just were like, you know, I think I might prefer buying parts online. I'm going to explore that. It was more of like, we've got equipment down or we have customers with equipment down and we can't get the parts. So now we're forced to look elsewhere. Was there any hurdles that you had to overcome with customers or did, did, was there any concerns that customers had maybe when they first reached out to you to buy something that you had to kind of overcome or help them kind of get past before they started using your e-commerce platform regularly? Well, you know, we, we have a fully staffed call center of, you know, 17 to 20 people. Um, but really, 95% of our transactions are seamless. In other words, we don't talk to the customer. Uh, so really, their experience is driven by our site and the content behind our site. So when you think about the challenges we face, it wasn't so much with the customer as it was with the supply base and getting access to the digital content so that we could represent the parts in such a way that the consumer would have confidence that, A, the part he's looking at is the part he needs. It's going to fit his vehicle, uh, and we have it in inventory. So there's a lot of data that drives that uh, behind the scenes. And and I would say that over the last two years, there's been a sea change as it relates to the uh, the digitalization of that uh, that content by all of the manufacturers have really stepped up. I, I give a lot of credit to the uh, uh, Auto Care Association, 
of, you know, for uh, spearheading the, the pies and ACES standards. Um, and as our industry adopts those standards, it's going to make um, all forms of uh, communication more seamless and uh, efficient. You know, we're going to get to the myths in a couple minutes, but just before that, I wanted to ask you one more question. You know, a lot of our listeners, they're parts people, they're, they're repair technicians. Maybe they work at an independent repair shop or they work at a, at a fleet. And, um, what would you say is, is one or two of the biggest upsides to buying parts through a site like yours at finditparts.com versus the traditional method? What benefit do they get out of that? I, I just like to hone in on that before we move on to what the experience of the actual seller might be if they were to adopt e-commerce. Sure. Let me let me just give you an example. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it's driven by the, the supply chain challenges right now. We certainly feel that that's been a, a great tailwind for our business. But like, if, if, if you're shopping locally and you're buying from a dealer or distributor, he has two or three or four potential sources for product. And then he has, you know, a significant investment in inventory, which is critical. Uh, you know, when you look online for that same part, behind the scenes, we use kind of a one-to-many approach. So we might have 50 sources for that part. So, you know, if if you've got five people at a local market that are stocking the part you need and they're willing to deliver it tomorrow, that's probably not a candidate for e-commerce. Um, but if if you don't have a stock locally and, you know, you have a couple of choices, you can start dialing for dollars, calling a lot of folks, hoping they answer the phone, hoping they give you a price and availability, hoping they get back to you, things like that. Or you kind of, it's an easy button we provide. You go to one place, you get to check availability and get certainty of availability, certainty of delivery, and certainty of the product that you're buying, uh, all with uh, a few clicks of the of the mouse. And you can do it 24-7. Yeah, that, make, that makes sense to me. And, you know, the other thing too, when I look forward anyway, over the next few years, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of the people that I grew up in the industry with, they're retiring very quickly they're exiting and and they're taking 30 40 50 years of experience with them when they leave the industry and the younger people who are are left to kind of replace those those senior positions man they're they're under a lot of pressure and uh, they don't necessarily have the benefit of all those years of experience so anything that a supplier can do to make those customers more efficient themselves like to your point giving them that easy button to buy the parts that they need I mean, that's going to go a long way to fostering a, a deep relationship with that customer as time goes on. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so funny. If you, if you, it's just as easy as looking at the comparison. You walk into an auto zone, you have three guys that are 27 years old, and, you, and you, you, know, you never even see anything but the top of their head because they're just banging away the keys. That's because I have a well-oiled taxonomy that allows them to drill down from what you think you need, you know, a starter for a 2013 Toyota Camry, uh, to what you do need, which is a part number one, two, three. Uh, in our industry, that hasn't existed. It will exist. You know, they're, they're, it's more difficult. We all know that, you know, the commercial vehicle aftermarket or commercial vehicle market, I should say, are all purpose-built built trucks. But there is a source of truth. And there is a lot of commonality. And there's a lot of folks and a lot of money and a lot of technologies being deployed to simplify and duplicate that taxonomy that's allowed the automotive aftermarket to be sort of 15% e-commerce. And in the commercial vehicle world, is still much less than 1% of the final demand. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back uh, from our break, we're going to talk about those three myths. So stay with us. Don't have a heavy-duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com. 
or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high-quality fuel injection for heavy-duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line, which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. We're back from our break. And before the break, we were talking about the way that the pandemic has accelerated and modified buying behavior. Obviously, the supply chain crisis that we're in has really forced a lot of people in the trucking industry to evaluate new suppliers. And one great place to go to find parts is finditparts.com. Uh, Dave, when it comes to parts distributors who are selling parts, you know, you talked about that traditional model. Maybe you've got five or six stores in, in several different cities and uh, you sell parts directly to repair shops and, and fleets. If you're in that position and you're evaluating whether or not you should get involved in this whole e-commerce thing, what is one maybe common myth you've heard that's holding that person back? Well, I, I just think there's a lot of trepidation for people that have invested, uh, you know, their family's money or their their money in um, in brick and mortar. You know, brick and mortar is expensive. Inventory is expensive. So you're you're really putting at risk um, a, a significant part of people's investment. So, so I think one of the myths is, wow, you know, e-commerce is the uh, is the enemy of brick and mortar. And, and, and I would say it's, it's really not that at all. I mean, when you think about e-commerce, it comes in in many flavors. But, you know, in, in our world, it's a marketplace. Basically, we connect buyers and sellers. So without a fulfillment arm uh, that has the inventory and has the knowledge to get the, the operational side of the transaction done, uh, we're not going to perform very well. So we need strong partners. So, you know, one of the one of the buzzwords people talk about is omni-channel distribution, right? You know, brick and mortar has historically kind of gone to market the same way. They buy in bulk, they inventory, they deliver to a select group of customers in a certain geography, and, and that served them very well. Uh, when you when you broaden your thinking uh, to an omni-channel approach, you have a portal for your existing customers to buy from you. You offer B2C opportunities with credit cards. You support uh, established marketplaces, whether that's eBay or Find a Parts or others, um, and kind of take advantage and really spread the wealth of the, this investment you've made can, can serve so many different markets. It's really an opportunity to coexist and thrive um, if you take an omni-channel approach to uh, distributing your inventory and your resources. You know, I know that some people have expressed concern about, um, you know, making their pricing available online so that everybody can see it and things, things of that nature. But the reality is, is that, you know, that, that price game has been going on for a long time. I remember when I was selling parts and I'd go into some of my customers and they would have all of the distributors in that local area, including truck dealership groups. They'd have all the flyers pinned up on their, on their wall, right? So, it's not like the information wasn't accessible, but to your point, there's a big difference between um, having a relationship with a client who has a client login that gives them access to their pricing and only they can see that and making all of that information publicly available to like that B2C customer who's just not going to buy in volume and doesn't maybe have net credit terms and is using a credit card. And I also think that the the whole like all or nothing approach to this isn't reality, right? It's not, should we do digital only or should we and abandon brick and mortar or should we stick you know, to brick and mortar and not touch digital? 
isn't it really going to be a hybrid of the two that's going to be the the reality of most parts distributors, like at least for the next 10 or 20 years? Uh, without a question. I mean, a marketplace doesn't exist without brick and mortar um, and inventory. And, and I think increasingly brick and mortar is going to have a hard time living solely on the, the way they transacted business in the past. You know, a lot of people are nervous about the price visibility, but, you know, in today's world, every part, you can Google it and you can see what prices are. So like that whole thing has changed. I really find it interesting over the last two years. I, I think this industry's had an epiphany that it isn't about price. It's about availability. Mm-hmm. Availability trumps price um, when the two are in conflict. Right. And so um, I, I think in a marketplace, you offer transparency of pricing. People can go to us, our site or anybody else's site and they see your price. It's not the reason you're going to buy it. You're going to buy it because we have availability and we do that with our brick and mortar uh, partners. Right. And, and I mean, in addition to the purchase price, the purchase price is never the cost, right? It's it's not the cost. There, there's There's so many other factors with commercial vehicles that gets you to your total cost. I remember when I was selling MGM spring brakes, right? They're like three times uh, a cheap off offshore spring brake is in, in purchase price. But if you look at a, a, a one-year cycle versus a four-year cycle, you can save like 700 bucks an axle with that more expensive product. So yeah, I mean, price is always a factor, but, and to your point, uh, it, it doesn't matter what it costs. If a truck is down for six weeks, uh, the downtime is going to eclipse any price for the individual part. But what about relationships? You know, I remember my mentors teaching me the parts business. They said, Jamie, this is a relationship business. It always has been, always will be. I've heard some people really concerned that if I don't have the opportunity to physically talk to my customers day in and day out on the phone, and they're just buying stuff online from my e-commerce site, I'm going to lose touch with my customers and those relationships are going to evaporate. Is is that a myth? And, And what's the reality if it is? I'm not, I'm not sure it's a myth. I think everybody wants to be able to touch the uh, training partners they have that are important to them, whether it's a distributor and a supplier or a fleet and his distributor or dealer. I, I think that's that's a super important part of it. But it takes two to tango. And, and if your customer has changed what he wants, well, you need to be cognizant of that and you need to engage him the way he would like to be engaged. And that might be not an every week conversation. It might be a once a month check-in that's more strategic in nature uh, because the day-to-day routine has kind of been automated and it's going on you know, online behind the scenes. So it, the nature of the communication can change. Uh, I don't think uh, relationships are being watered down or replaced by technology. I, I think the nature of the, the, the conversation, the communication is a little different than it, should, than it has been in the past. Well, to me, the big upside is that you can have higher value conversations with your customers because the commodity stuff or the day-to-day stuff has been automated to some degree. This is a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is where you get into like true value selling, where you can start to evaluate, well, what products are you buying and when you're installing them and how long are they lasting and and what's the uptime implication, downtime implication, labor costs. And as a supplier, you can get into those conversations, which is what's going to truly uh, forge that relationship stronger and stronger over time because you're helping your customers succeed. So um, everyone's experienced part shortages. 
What myth exists about e-commerce and inventory? You and I talked about that before we hit the record button. I'd like to hear your opinion on it, though. Yeah, so um, I, I guess, you know, inventory, uh, one of the concerns you hear is, well, if I have e-commerce, uh, I'm going to deplete the inventory I've got for my customers. And, and you know, that that just kind of kind of falls on deaf ears with me because, I mean, at the end of the day, you drive your inventory to service your customers. And if a new set of customers come to you that are happen to be e-commerce space, you're going to adjust your inventory to accommodate that, right? So you wouldn't want to turn a faucet on full blast but you'd certainly want it running pretty fast as quickly as you get it there, because that's that's what we're all in business of doing is is growing our companies, growing the opportunities for our people, you know, becoming profitable, sustaining profitability. So I, I really don't think it's interesting. In in our relationship with our vendors, we're very careful. You know, we don't we don't ask our vendors to stock for us. You know, we we expect that they've done a really good job of deciding what parts should be stocked and what parts don't need to be stocked. And then we just layer on top of that and, and uh, drive demand to them that they previously wouldn't have had, whether that be a different demographic or, you know, outside of their traditional geography, um, you know, outside of the United States geography. We can drive demand to consume the inventory that they've, they have already invested in. We're not asking them to really stock on our behalf. Yeah. And I think some of this comes from maybe just a misunderstanding of, um, or, or just not having enough knowledge about what you can do. So like, just like with the pricing issue, you can, you can put pricing behind a password for a a customer of yours. That's on net 30 accounts with an e-commerce platform. Same with inventory. You don't have to open up all your inventory to everyone. Um, you could, you could easily decide to say, Hey, 50% of my inventory needs to be for my regional customers that are right here in our backyard and the rest of that inventory we're going to make available and anybody anywhere wants to buy it they can. So I think that's where some of these myths come from is that they just haven't really investigated what um the technology behind these platforms will let them do and won't let them do. And once you start to understand that, you can start to see how you can adapt your uh, approach to fit your specific needs. So it's really not a one and done and it's not a one fits all. There's there's a a large spectrum here when we use the word e-commerce or digital sales channel. Um, we saw some big news recently with Find It Parts, a $30 million raise. First of all, hats off, congratulations. That is really exciting. Obviously, that money is going to enhance your plans for the future. Can you give us a little insight into the direction where you're taking Find It Parts with that investment? Yeah, so you know, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to David Seawack, you know, the the, co- the the founder of the business, and and his partner Danny. I mean, they have been building this business um, for ten years, and I think through a combination of circumstances, things really um, exploded in a positive way over the last couple of years, and it really opened our eyes that you know, when when things move at internet speed. They don't take years to develop. They take quarters and, and months, and things change that fast. And so the opportunity to really capitalize on what these guys built over the last 10 years, it was now. And, and so that we didn't want to wait. And, and you know, this whole business had been uh, founder-financed. Uh, and so you know, we wanted to have the freedom to invest uh, in all the areas that we knew and, and it tested out. We spent a lot of time testing what works and what doesn't. So by the time we got to uh, uh, Crestline Investors, which has made a minority investment in us, we really knew how we wanted to spend the money. 
And it's really people and technology and speed. That's really what it's all about. So we're, you know, we've been um, partnered now for under 45 days. And, you know, we have made a lot of significant decisions in, in terms of bringing people aboard to, to strengthen the, the bench and, and uh, add scalability to our business. So it's really about speed, technology and people. That's, that's how that money is going to be deployed. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have said for years, you can go back and look at some of the past uh, things that I've recorded and made public, but I have always said like the holy grail with heavy duty parts is getting it there within a couple hours of ordering. And whoever figures out how to get parts there same day or in certain categories next day, even it's, it's the, the next best thing. Right. And, and that speed to getting the parts in the hands of the people who need them, making it easy, making the information available and 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 at the fingertips 24/7 on demand like those are the to me those are the fundamentals that underpin what will make the people who distribute heavy duty parts in the future successful because really those have always been foundational pieces it's just now that we're layering technology so that's really exciting and and we're anxious at the heavy duty parts report to see how things uh, evolve over time thank you so much for coming on the show well, we're excited to see where it leads us all as well. We've been students of the industry for a long time, and we're big fans of it. So we want it to be a, a successful journey for all of us that are in the industry. Thanks so much for having us. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Dave Olson, the Executive Vice President of Find It Parts. To buy parts online, go to finditparts.com. Links will be in the show notes. Dave, thanks again for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report, and I look forward to having you back soon. We'll do it. Thanks again, Jamie. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.